Starlit Story presents Station 37 Episode 1 Ari Stella Junior Inspector Sharp, do you have the statement ready for me to review? Good afternoon, Senior Inspector. And, uh, yes, I have the recording of Experiment 0260 prepared, sir. Good. So she found a recorder? How did you get it to her? Trash can, sir. Buried just deep enough to be believable, but above enough food waste we were certain she would find it. Excellent work, Junior Inspector. Run the audio, please. Yes, sir. This is Junior Inspector Scharf replaying audio log 02 of Experiment 0260. Senior Inspector, present. Proceed. Beginning playback. Hello? Hello? Made it through another one, then. Bit of a rough day. But my belly is full, and that's what counts. At least, that's what Mother used to say. At least, that's what I think Mother would have said if she stuck around long enough to say much of anything. Yes, you're right, I'm getting distracted. Sorry, Whiskers. Okay, here goes for real. Stowaway's log, the second one. Ari Stella, junior explorer of space and trash cans. Recording. Recording for presence of the rats of the secret room on deck 37. (laughs) The day began as usual. I woke to the sound of recycled water rushing from the morning relief everyone on the second shift experiences at the same time. There isn't a window here, not really. But there is a small viewport designed to see the engines for repairs. It isn't luxurious, but some days, at the right angles, you can catch a glimpse of the massive station. Sometimes a floating planet, or a distant star. Station 37 is, as far as I can tell, a station in constant movement. We orbit planets for days or weeks at a time, then leave. I don't know how they do it. Or how the cargo ships, like the one I snuck aboard on, find it, but they do. I looked out the window this morning and saw nothing. The angle was wrong. Empty space. Pure blackness. It made my stomach twist and my head spin. Made me realize how foolish this is. Being stuck who knows where, hundreds of thousands of miles from the place us humans were meant to be. I stepped back from the window. It made me sick, but the pain in my stomach pulled me back to reality quickly. Looking at the stars is one thing, but hunger is a problem I can face. So after a brief breakfast of the usual nothing, I set out for a bright day of scamming. I wanted a sandwich, so I went up to deck 75, a lucky one for me. I don't know exactly how many decks are on station 37, but I know they're separated roughly by class. 75 is the perfect in-between. The people there are just smart enough to know how good they have it, but not rich enough to ignore everyone below them. Gives them a condition I call random acts of kindness. (laughs) Makes them feel better, helping a poor, distressed girl. Especially when they assume that girl comes from the same class. I've heard rumors of it being haunted, but that just made people even more ready to help. I walked by a steam valve on the way up to clean myself. Tricky, that, 
Had to make sure not to scorch yourself and all. I put on my nice dress suit, too. I keep it stored clean, but I had to dirty it up a bit. That's an important act, that one. I mean, you need to look just dirty enough that they assume something happened, but not so dirty that something actually could have happened. I wanted to run my shattered cred card bit. It's an easy one, and I felt too hungry to be more creative. It went well enough, well as usual. I found the typical kind of stall, a fat man with an apron somehow covered in grease, despite the fact he sold sandwiches. The line was short, but still there. Just late enough in the day, he'd be feeling hungry himself. It ticked every box. Hello, sir, I said, sounding gentle and sweet and all that. Hello, little madam, he said, and smiled, and I knew I had him. I live on deck 77, but my mom sent me down to get groceries, sir. I fell and all, and just, just a sandwich, please, sir. See, that bit's important, so I had it well rehearsed. If you tell someone on an upper deck you were robbed, they'd call the SECs over faster than you could blink. Nasty business, that. I mean, if you hint it, well, they assume you don't want to talk about it, and so they won't make you. It went perfect then. He gave me that smile, that predatory smile, and started to talk about how business was business, but he could give me a deal and all. He actually offered a good one. Most people raise their prices on a hungry and seemingly rich girl. Well, I took out the shattered cred card I'd been using, and his face dropped. Started to apologize and told him I must have landed on it and all. I offered to leave. See, that's another key. You can't seem too eager. Of course, he told me not to and that he could cover it and all. Good things. But all part of the routine, you see. That's when it fell apart. A metallic voice behind me buzzes and says, Pardon me, ma'am, sir, but I can clear that card for you. Bastard! The bit had been going too well, and I lost focus, lost awareness. An SEC had crept up right behind me. Well, of course, the shopkeeper was overjoyed. He tried to do his good deal and would still get the credit for it. I felt less so. That metallic, fuzzy voice is the last thing you want to hear when you're a stowaway. Especially here. The SECs here are different, somehow. I don't have any friends here. Just the rats I talk to, really, and they don't do much in the way of talking back. But still, I had heard stories. Stories of people being caught by SECs and never seen again. Prison decks that didn't show up on the system maps. I knew enough to stay well away from them. So I ran. Like I said, I was too hungry to be clever, and any lie would have just kept me around the SEC. I heard shouting and the pounding of heavy boots behind me. I knew they'd stall the lifts. That was always their first move. So quick it was probably automatic. So I peeled off toward the small manufacturing sector on this level. The area around it felt decayed. Clearly the people on 75 had been intentionally avoiding it. A few braver shopkeepers, or more likely the late arrivals, had stalls near the fringes, but nothing within 200 paces. I hurtled into the first alleyway I could find. I tried to avoid them. This one had been textiles, I think. 
but you can never tell for sure once they're abandoned. The smell still overpowered me, though. Sent me coughing and sputtering. My eyes watered and I doubled over. <laughs> I swear for a second, I saw the SEC at the end of the alley. I tried to run, but couldn't breathe. I collapsed and took a few slow, careful breaths. By the time I recovered and adjusted to the putrid smell of the place, the SEC had gone. The place was a shell. Once I'd made it there, it took all of two alleyways before I regretted it. Everything was burned out, empty. It looked, felt like a fire had consumed the area. Or a beast, maybe? As if something had floated by and sucked all the light, life, and color out of the area. It had been hollowed out. The residents didn't go here, and I couldn't blame them. Hell, I'd avoided the place myself, but once again, I wasn't thinking like I should have been. I ran for a long time. Longer than I probably needed to. Definitely longer than I should have. But I still thought that SEC could be stalking me. I found myself utterly and thoroughly lost. It's not often that I'm afraid these days. Things come and go, and it'll kill you or it won't. There's no point worrying much about it. That's what I always say. This was different, though. I knew I was alone there, and knew I had to be. I felt stalked, though. Not watched. No, whatever I felt didn't have the mind or the eyes to watch me. And I knew it couldn't be the SEC. They weren't ones to creep about. Their loud boots and strong arms kept order well enough. Whatever followed sensed me. And I sensed it. Maybe it was the past, screaming and clawing at me from the ruined shell I had trespassed on, or in. I began to fancy seeing dark faces in the windows, shadows that I could never quite get a good look at. And the further I went, the more I saw, or thought I saw. It was like a parade, a funeral dirge for me, following me. I felt dizzy. My head spun, my heart beat. It all felt too fast. How had it happened? An hour ago? Was it an hour? I had been safe. Hungry, maybe, but safe. I knew where I had been in a world that may have ignored me, but at least one I understood. Now I was somewhere else. I stood on the edge of something. The event horizon of two hells. I am not ashamed to admit that I collapsed, and I cried. The lights don't work there, not properly at least.
No, they stayed the same orange glow of low power mode, not changing with the shifts or the hours. I was there for an eternity. I was there for barely half a day. I began to wander again. Not because I thought it would help, but because... Well, I'm not sure why. Whatever I had felt, I felt still, like a dull ache in the pit of my stomach. The fear remained present, something deeper than words can describe. Something there before words. It felt me, too. It wasn't just being afraid. There was something alive behind it. Even if it was just shadows and thoughts. Still, I walked on. Maybe because that's all I've ever known. Going on and on. I kept walking. My feet hurt, my head hurt, my stomach growled. Nothing had changed in the scenery. I passed empty factories and ruined buildings that might as well have all been the same place. The only difference was the shadowed faces that stood at the corner of my vision, beginning to cloud my eyes. I knew then that I would die there. I knew. And you know what I did? I laughed. I laughed and laughed and laughed. <laughs> How silly, I thought, to die today. <laughs> you see, I hadn't planned on it, but one rarely does, I suppose. Something meowed behind me then. It froze me. Not in fear, but in the fear of losing hope. The fear of turning around to find nothing there. To know my sanity had abandoned me as well. The sound, so utterly out of place, drove away some of my shock and fatigue. My vision cleared. And I thought maybe I could still remember the world I belonged to. So I waited, facing the other direction. My stomach growled. I was so hungry. The cat rubbed against my leg, and it was a cat, <laughs> a fat one. I didn't know where it had come from or why it had come here. <laughs> I had even less of an idea how it managed to find so much food. My stomach growled again. <laughs> damn it, but I was hungry. I wanted to eat the damn thing. It twist its neck and cry while I did, but I wanted to survive. I reached out and grabbed it. He didn't fight back at all. He just curled up in my arms and he purred. <laughs> it was a real cat. Somehow it was there. I, I felt him against my stomach, grumbling with his purrs. 
I was so, so hungry. I knew this little guy could lead me to food. I put him down, and that's exactly what he did. We walked barely an hour. This time, I was sure. I counted. We walked right out of that evil, dark place. My eyes must have adjusted, letting go of the fear my mind had tricked them into seeing. The cat didn't hesitate, went straight through. <laughs> he even stopped occasionally to wait for me. So I called him Comet, my little guiding light. <laughs> we made it out then. I may have lost my sense of time, but I was certain it had been long enough for the SEC to give up chasing a street urchin who didn't technically do anything wrong. Comet led me to a dumpster on the way down. Would you believe it? But I found a sandwich. <laughs> I found this thing, too, actually. It's kind of nice. To talk, I mean. Feels a little more human. A little more real. A bit better than talking to rats in the walls, huh, Comet? I think I'll use it again. But for now, this is Ari Stella signing off. So, she managed to make it out of there, did she? I wouldn't hardly believe it if not for the footage, even with the cat. Didn't disturb Experiment 1168, did she? No, sir. Uh, 1168 is operational as usual and remains present in the textile plant. Good. Though truthfully, I doubt she could have managed much harm regardless. Aye, as you say, sir. Keep me updated on this progression, will you? I think this one will be fun to watch. Aye, sir, of course. This has been a Starlet Story production. Station 37 is written and directed by Joshua McBride. It is produced by Jacob Dieterle, Joshua McBride, and Jane Yaki. Audio engineering and sound design by Jane Yaki. This week's episode featured Elise Todd as the voice of Ari Stella. Be sure to follow us on social media at Station37Pod to stay updated with future episodes. Thanks for listening. <laughs>